Kick it off hour number three already. My goodness, how time flies right here on this football Monday on the Team 980, presented and driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealers. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. All the lines cleared out right now. Uh, try and get back aboard. Uh, we're waiting um, to see if we're getting Ron Rivera. Uh, he was scheduled uh, to talk as he normally does on Monday, uh, but we're awaiting uh, word on that. So we, if we get it, we will try and bring it to you, uh, of course, as we usually do. Uh, on Mondays here on the team, 980. We don't really carry Ron throughout the week because it's a lot of the same stuff. Um, but usually Mondays are a little bit interesting. Uh, and uh, he is, again, scheduled to talk um, now to reporters, uh, according to the team. So we're just waiting uh, for that to start. Or maybe, maybe he has to spend more time actually figuring out the defensive plays and schemes so he can't talk to the media today. Ah, I don't know. You know, that is fair that, uh, that Ron has added a lot more responsibility. You know, listen, make no mistake about it. R- Ron did this to save his ass or to try and save his ass. He's not doing this because Jack Del Rio is clueless or a horrible coach like so many of you accuse uh, and and don't know. He's doing this to try and save his ass. He's hoping against hope that a uh, you know, a 4 and 8 team, right? Who's played 12 games uh, who has 5 games left in the next 6 weeks cuz they still haven't even gone on their bye. They'll do so a week from now. He's hoping that maybe they can go five, uh, four and one, right? In that span, let let's just say that's the realistic hope, because he he knows five and zero oh is not realistic. Um, and if they can go four and one, like they finish eight and nine, and he hopes that somehow, some way, if the defense dramatically improves, that the new owners look and say, oh. Wow, we're 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 building something here. We're building momentum. We we you know, don't ask me about anything other than finding the quarterback, which we're still not sure if they have, and establishing the culture and look at how we finished when the season was basically meaningless. Look at what we did. Now and if somehow some way, my goodness, they can go 5 and 0. Oh, woo. Woo. Nine and eight, baby. Now we're cooking with gas. Now we're cooking with gas. By the way, uh, thanks to Jay Gruden, as always. Um, I did a little bit of research. Apparently, there's a report saying that the the whole John Gruden, Indiana University thing, which popped up yesterday, I think Pro Football Talk reported that, or maybe they picked it up from somebody else. I can't remember. Uh, didn't have any steam to it or wasn't a real thing or or whatever. And, and, and Jay you know, for whatever it's worth, said he didn't know, uh, you know, that John's playing a lot of golf and he's waiting for some legal things to wrap up and whatever. Um, but you could see where this story might come from again. And I, and, and that's part of the reason why I'm glad we talked about it with Jay, even if he's, you know, even if you believe him, not believe him, whatever, you know, their dad was an assistant coach at Indiana university, which I didn't know. I've, I'd forgotten 
uh, was a assistant coach at Indiana University in uh, from 1973 through 1977. Also was an assistant at Dayton, Notre Dame. Um, you know, a longtime assistant in the NFL, uh, Indiana, so on and so forth. So, um, you know, look, they're from Indiana. I mean, are they're from Ohio, I should say. That's not too far away. So there's lots of things that you can try and connect the dots on. But apparently there's a report out there that says uh, there's no truth to it. I, I mean, we'll see. We'll see. But I thought it was worth the time in kind of following up uh, on the report to see um, what would happen. So uh, kudos to Jay for, uh, of course, being available to answer that. He didn't really want to go into, it sounded like, um, kind of the personal animosity between he and Jack Del Rio. Um, but he tweeted something the other night, you know, about Jack Del Rio when, when you know, not being aware that people are listening. And everybody tried to put two and two together. And I forgot about this, honestly, when Jack was asked, I guess, following what happened with John in Vegas with the Raiders, you know, Jack had some pretty critical comments and listen, nobody's perfect. Everybody makes mistakes, whatever. I mean, but you can understand a brother defending his brother, right? Um, and, and not being happy with what Jack Del Rio said. And that's perfectly understandable. Whether it's right, wrong, whatever, they're brothers, right? And most fam- I mean, not all families, most families, siblings, defend siblings to no end, okay? Uh, so there, uh, like, there was some, there wasn't a lot of love loss there. Let's just put it this way between Jack Del Rio and Jay Gruden. I don't think there was, like, I've had enough conversations with Jay on the air and off the air to know that he didn't think extremely highly of Jack Del Rio as a coach. And from a scheme perspective, so that, you know, kind of folds into this as well. And then what is ahead for Ron Rivera and the Washington Commanders defense as they take on Mike McDaniel and the Miami Dolphins? Well, let's find out what the head coach of the Washington Commanders and now defensive play caller Ron Rivera had to say. Well, I think some of the things that, you know, we need to look at, obviously, is just creating those opportunities for the players to to. to to be successful, um, you know, paring down some of the things that we've done from the past and, um, you know, just trying to get them to, to play fast. And, when, you know, when you coach talk about paring it down, obviously every system is still going to be complex. Mm-hmm. What does that, like, what kind of things can you do to pare it down that maybe can help them play a little bit faster? Well, I think eliminating some of the, 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 the tools, the, the checks that we, we, we've used in the past and just really – you know, almost to a point where, you know, hey, you, 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 you draw them, you write them. Ron, what are some of the things you can do to help the front create more pressure? Well, I, I think, you know, we've got to look at some movements as far as those guys up front are concerned, you know, and, and give them an opportunity to, to create some one-on-ones for, uh, for our tackles. Um, you know, that's one thing we've noticed is, you know, there's, there's been a little bit more, obviously, attention being paid to, to, to our defensive tackles both Jonathan and Duran. So we've got to try and create some situations where they end up getting singled up a little bit more, and hopefully that will help them. 
And do you have a status update on Sadiq? I mean, I know he's still on IR, but do you expect him to come back this season? We do. We do. Again, it's, you know, uh, it, it's a couple things. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be health-based, obviously. And then the next thing being more so anything else is the opportunity because, you know, once we make decisions on players coming back, obviously you've got to find that spot where you're going to put them. What are the specific areas, offense or, or defense, that you're looking for growth for the rest of the season? Well, just for the most part, for the team in general. I mean, again, you, you want to see these guys continue to grow, continue to get better as football players, and you know, do the things that 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 you know they they can and they're capable of, and, and just really refine those things, and see if we can create some opportunities to make some some big things happen. How do you balance? You guys throw it a lot. You want to play better complementary football. Do those two things work together, or how do you kind of balance those things? Well, they can. Again, a lot of it has to do with with with. You know, completions obviously is a, is a really big thing, um, and then you know being able to run the football um, based on certain certain points of the game. You know, you get into certain situations, certain circumstances. Um, you want to be able to run the ball no matter what they are. Hey, Ron, with you obviously uh, calling plays now. How was your week going as far as managing your, your time? What 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 is different for you than it was before? Uh, exactly that is time management. And so, you know, obviously we'll be tasked with that. And we'll just, um, you know, whenever there's an opportunity, uh, we try to take it. And uh, obviously, uh, Sean was able to force me to give you guys this opportunity. Well, I appreciate Sean for that. Um, in, in terms of these meetings, I imagine that obviously you are in meetings over the course of a week, but you maybe can't get to everything because you're having to deal with different things. Are there different meetings that you're in now? Or, you, or is any of the sort of the schedule change? because of uh, with, with you now uh, in charge? Absolutely. A lot of things have changed. And, you know, again, just got to look at opportunities to, to take care of certain things. Uh, other things obviously have been handed off to other folks. Um, but more importantly, you know, focusing on the defense and then the, and, and then the game itself um, are probably the two biggest priorities I have. Ron, what's the challenge of adding a new leading voice to the defense midway through the season? Um, well, I, I think the the biggest challenge, more than anything else, is just you know keeping them focused, keeping them you know right where they need to be, and understanding you know that what we're doing is 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 trying to create opportunities, and and we'll see what happens. When you do take over a defense, do you like collect feedback from the players, like what they like, what they don't like, and and how those how's that gone? Well, that that is one thing you do is you, you most certainly want to make sure you talk to. You know, to, to, to specific guys, and, and that's what I did on on Friday and uh, on Saturday, and then on uh, today. And uh, you know, we'll continue to take input from those guys, but also more importantly, talking to the coaches, listening to the position coaches, and and, and kind of getting some feedback from them as well, and uh, just going from there. Anybody else? All right, let's jump in here uh, and 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 bring this down. I think we got. Basically, the gist. So Ron basically said he's involved in more meetings, which is understandable, right? He was not the play caller. If you're going to be the play caller on one side of the ball, you've got to be more directly involved in meetings with Richard Rogers and with Steve Russ and with Jeff Scanina and Ryan Kerrigan and whatever. And by the way, I think for everybody that's kind of worried about how Ron Rivera is going to do all this. Richard Rodgers, a long time, long time Rivera lieutenant, is going to be a guy that's going to help him out significantly. He already has been, but I mean, I would assume 
maybe more than assume that he's going to take on a more advanced role, a heavier role. I don't know if anything was uh, announced in terms of who the new defensive backs coach is. I think, I think Rodgers was named the interim, but I, I don't know. I, I I saw something along those lines on Friday, but I don't remember. Um, but either way, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. What was interesting to me, what I took from that, is Ron basically said, you know, some of the checks, some of the different things that they were doing will probably be whittled away or eliminated. And almost like, I, I forgot the exact term, but like, you know, execute it the way you draw it up or, or, or essentially, where he's talking about, hey, man, like, this, check, this is how we design the defense. We're not going to have all these crazy checks based on formation, based on shifting, based on personnel, based on whatever. We're going to eliminate some of that, if not all of it, to simplify it, which tells me that the defense was too complicated at times for players to not understand, but to execute it consistently at a high level at regular season speed. And for all of you guys out there that sit there and go, well, that's impossible. How could that be? It's week 13. They're year four in the system. Not everybody's year four in the system. Manuel Forbes, not year four in the system. Percy Butler, not year four in the system. You know who was year four in the system? Kendall Fuller. Right? Benjamin St. Jude's year three in the system. But remember, he's been moved from outside, inside, all around. They've tried different types of coverages from mostly zone, match zone, more man. There's all, St. Joseph stayed healthy for the most part this year. But in years past, that was a problem. Right? Then you lose Derek Forrest, who, listen, we were first on this. He was not playing well. Derek Forrest had a really rough start to the season. But they lose him in week five, that Thursday night game against the Bears, which was a disaster. And he wasn't playing well before that, but you don't know if a player with some experience and certainly some ability is just off to a tough start and is going to get progressively better. Like, for instance, Kendall Fuller last year was horrible at the beginning of last year. Horrible. But progressively got better as the season went along. And in the second half of the season, he and I thought Danny Johnson were their two best corners. Kendall Fuller this year got off to a great start. Had the really bad game against Chicago. And has had some moments since then, but for the most part has been solid, good. But he was really, really, really bad the first five, six games of last year. 
and really good after that were pretty darn good, in my opinion, after that. And I think that's one of the big reasons why the defense was able to be number one in third down, number three in yards allowed, number seven in scoring, all of that. Because Kendall Fuller finally woke up and Derek Forrest got better throughout the year and Cam Curl was doing what Cam Curl was doing. And I think this year, St. Juice has taken a big-time step back. Penalty-wise, he's tight in coverage, but it's not been good enough. No matter who they put him on, it hadn't been good enough. It has not been good. Man, zone, this, that. I mean, you know, I'll let Hoffman and, and Logan break all that down, but to me it has not been good enough. And too many penalties. And you saw that early in the Dallas game, right, on Thanksgiving. St. Juice has come way back down, in my opinion. Um, Again, Fuller had the one really bad game, but I think he's been okay be- since. And I, I, he was really, really good before then. Really good. So not his fault, at, at least the way I see it. But with St. Juice's regression... Derek Forrest, A, his regression in the first five games, and then his impact, the impact of injury, and what it forces other players to do, meaning play Percy Butler more. Play Quan Martin a little bit more. It has caused issues. Then, if you have a complicated check system, right? Think about it from a... We talk about, well, the quarterback at the line of scrimmage, who does the checks, who who, who recognizes blitzes and who switches, uh, you know, protection schemes. Is it the center? Is it the quarterback? Is it no change? Like, everybody does it a little bit different. Well, everybody does defensive checks a little bit different. And think about this. Somebody pointed this out. I think it was maybe JP or B. Mitch. I, I can't remember. But I think it was one of them. On the way in today. They were talking about how, you know, this defense doesn't have a London Fletcher type at Mike Linebacker. Think about that. You have Cody Barton, who was a special teamer until last year in Seattle and came on significantly down the stretch, but Seattle didn't bring him back on a relatively cheap deal. Then he comes here, has to learn a new system, a new language, whatever, really struggles out of the gate, finally starts getting it going, in the Atlanta game, and then gets injured early in the Giants' first game, and he's missing for four. David Mayo hold the mustard. Yes, sure, he's a Mike linebacker, but he's David Mayo. So they don't have a quarterback of the defense. I guess that quarterback of the defense would be Cam Curl, but maybe that's too much to ask Cam Curl to play at a high level and also be essentially... The on-field brains completely of the operation. And maybe that's led to some of this. Don't know. I mean, we can speculate. We can guess. We can, you know, we can talk about it. But there's all of these various complicated things that go into this stuff. I don't. I mean, I don't think they'll be much different. Maybe they'll play a little smoother, a little cleaner. I, I mean, obviously, you don't want to go against Miami in your first test, but who knows? Maybe they'll shock the world. And maybe a week from now we'll be talking about, oh, my God, why didn't Ron do this sooner? What the hell? They shut down Tyreek Hill, Tua Tunga-Vailoa, Jalen Waddell, and the Dolphins. Maybe. 
or maybe we'll be talking about another 45-10 blowout. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app, we're with you. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980 on the Ace Law listener lines. In a rec, Ace Law, I hope you get a check. Call them at 8888-ACE-LAW. Call us at 301-230-0980. It is a football Monday on the Team 980, and we're driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. Your calls coming straight up, plus... Uh, another look around the NFL before we get on out of here at 4 o'clock on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, final half an hour or so of the radio showgram here on a back-to-work football Monday on the Team 980. Uh, again, presented and driven by your local Honda dealer, Experience Power. Performance and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. 301-230-0980, 301-230-0980. If you want to weigh in over the next half an hour or so, we've got plenty of room for you on the Ace Law listener lines. Um, Alex Zeese just uh, chimed in on Twitter, and I think this is a good point. He said, one thing that's not been talked about enough is how the offense was a solid ball control team last year, which helped inflate those defensive numbers a ton. And I think he's right. Um, I I don't know if that's the sole reason or one reason or a contributing reason, but I just, you know, I just wanted to take a look back because I remember a lot of things, but I don't remember everything. Last year, they had an average possession time of 33 minutes and two seconds, okay? Which means the defense is being asked to play, on average, 26 minutes and 58 seconds, this year, the average possession time is 31.26. So down from last year's 33.02 to 31.26. Now, you say, Chris, that, that it's an insignificant decline. No, you're wrong. That's a game and a half. I mean, a minute and a half per game on average. That's a full possession against a lot of offenses, unless you're the Brandon Staley L.A. Chargers who had a 19-play drive for 52 yards that wound up with no points last night. What a horse crap operation that is. Man. Wow. That's a bad operation there. But that is a significant drop on average. That's at least, in most cases, a full possession on average per game, less or more, that you're asking the defense to take on. Again, doesn't seem like a lot, but 31-26 this year and 33-02 last year. Now, here's the rub just to kind of complement Alex's point. You've gone a minute and a half less in terms of time of possession on offense, time with the ball, and also giving your defense less time on the field, Okay, which is something that, again, all the number nerds don't pay any attention to, and they're so wrong. All the analytics amigos are so wrong. And always will be wrong. And by the way, thanks to 
Bob Matthews, I know, was one. Uh, I forget who else was another. Uh, but they all tweeted me when the Bills were making their game-winning drive and they were ripping off runs of 11 and 11 and 12 and 13 and 6 and, you know, whatever. And they took the lead. Yes, it was by via pass. Uh, very noticeable. Thank you. Thank you, boys. Appreciate it. Uh, yes, the the Bills actually can run the football this year, which is why their offense theoretically should be better and is better uh, if they don't keep kicking themselves in the pants. Um, they'll be, I and I know they're six and six and all the metrics and all the numbers and whatever. Trust me, if the Bills make the playoffs, they will be better off for being a more physical run oriented team than they have been in the past. But anyway, here's the rub. The average time of possession going from 33.02 or 33 minutes and two seconds last year. And the team averaged 18.9 points per game, which was a full three points below the league average. Okay. And scoring was down last year, league average was. So they averaged, just say, 19 points a game, but averaged 33 minutes and two seconds worth of time of possession. This year, they are, again, averaging a full minute and a half less per game, which, again, means the offense is not on the field long, long uh, or as long as they were last year. But that's fine if you're being explosive, if you're scoring points. The problem is, yes, they're scoring more points than they were last year, 18.9, to this year's 20.5, a 1.6 point per game difference. But is that difference on average worth the rub, worth the impact that playing over a minute and a half more on defense per game on average when you're leaking major oil? Is that worth it? Is the juice worth the squeeze? For me, I mean, it... Again, it, it's impossible until I crunch all the numbers, but logically it would tell me, no, it's not. Because, yes, you've improved your scoring output moderately, but you're still well under the league average, well under a point, 1.1 points per game. You're still under. It's the, the juice hasn't probably been worth the squeeze. So good point by Alex. Uh, there, let's get a final trending alert in here on the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. All right, Frank Reich lasted 11 games as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. The Charlotte native uh, went home after being fired by the Indianapolis Colts midway through last year. Lasted again 11 games with a 17-10 loss in Nashville to the Tennessee Titans. A 1-10 record, 0-6 on the road. Uh, you knew it was getting bad. David Tepper was uh, in the locker room cursing some things out uh, and some people out in frustration. They've named special teams coach Chris Tabor as the interim head coach. Thomas Brown will assume play-calling duties. He had had them for a couple of games earlier this year. First-year offensive coordinator, former Rams assistant uh, Jim Caldwell, the longtime NFL head coach with the Lions and Colts, uh, will help. Deuce Staley, the assistant head coach and quarterbacks coach Josh McCown, also were fired. And Frank Reich, 
uh, said he understands the decision uh, and he's disappointed. He said, quote, uh, to the Charlotte Observer, there's a heart-pounding disappointment in not hitting the marks that we needed to hit to keep this going and to try and get it turned around. And Reich also acknowledged that this probably will be his last coaching opportunity. Monday night football tonight, the Chicago Bears at 3-8, and eight, Montez Sweat and th- Toe against the six and five Minnesota Vikings. Still no word officially on Justin Jefferson, although he is not expected to play with the Vikings on by this upcoming weekend. And that's what's trending. All right, 336, Team 980, and the Odyssey app on a football Monday. Football Monday on the Team 980 is driven by your local Honda dealer. Experience power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer. 301 on the Ace Law listener lines. Of course, in a wreck, Ace Law, hope you get a check. Call them at 8888 Ace Law. So we're wide open for you. Uh, Doc will join us tomorrow. Linnell on Wednesday. Um, again, when I say I don't want the commanders to improve, look, I know mathematically they're going to play as hard as they possibly can to try and turn a miracle and a magic carpet right here. The players and the coaching staff are not going to quit and roll over and play dead. I got it. They're going to play their asses off. And maybe they'll be a little bit inspired, buoyed, whatever, by everyone counting them out, giving them no chance. I was surprised, again, for what little it's worth, and it is worth absolutely nothing, that the opening line last night was like nine, nine and a half. I thought it would be 12, 13, 14, somewhere in that range. I was surprised by that. Again, it means absolutely nothing. Don't confuse it has no impact on the game. And whoever makes up these opening lines, in this case it was bet online, and I'm sure the Vegas books are similar, trust me, they don't know anything that you don't know. Trust me, they don't. Okay? But whatever. Maybe, just maybe, they'll just be able to breathe a little bit easier. And over the next five games, if they simplify some stuff, and who knows, they create some takeaways, which has been... Like, if you notice, when they create takeaways, they win, for the most part. When they don't, they don't. They don't have a chance. So maybe they come out and, I don't know, create three takeaways on Sunday. It's possible. The Dolphins clearly have not been the same team on the road. It should be chilly. I've heard some rain in the forecast for Sunday at FedEx. Don't know how that'll hold up throughout the week. But, I mean, it's December, for crying out loud. It's not Miami, I can tell you that. Miami seems to play its best against weaker opponents and not against great opponents. I think there's logical reasons for that. This is a weaker opponent, but maybe they play down to the level of their competition. I don't know. Remember, Devon A-Chain got hurt early in, um, in their win last week, then didn't play in the Black Friday game. And they just lost one of their best pass rushers to a blown Achilles. 
it's possible that a week from now, we're talking about, holy beep, the commanders pulled off a shocking upset. It is possible. I don't want that to be the case. Because at this point, for me, losing and getting a better draft pick is more important than winning. However, no coach and no player in that locker room cares one iota about that. They are going to play their asses off. They're going to play their guts out. They're probably going to lose. They might get embarrassed, but they are going to play hard. And when I say over the next five games, I don't want the defense to that to improve that much. I, again, selfishly, I don't want them to win because it hurts their draft pick standing in every round. On top of that, I also want to reemphasize that it wasn't any. It wasn't Jack Del Rio getting dumb. Jack Del Rio deserved to get fired. He didn't do a good enough job. But it wasn't because Jack Del Rio was incompetent, was clueless this year as to why the defense regressed so much. As we tried to just prove maybe a little bit with the time of possession thing, and as we talked about earlier in the show with the lack of pass rush pressure, although some of the metrics say they're getting more pass rush pressure as a team. That's probably because they're blitzing more. And you could make an argument one way or the other. But it's all part of the big picture. All right, let's get back to you on the phones. Let's go to Willie in Gaithersburg on the Team 980 and on the Ace Law listener lines. What's up, Willie? How are you? What's going on, Rooster? How you Willie, doing, man? What's going on, babe? Hey, all right, man. So I hear, I hear uh, I'm a longtime listener. Uh, just had my first time caller. So uh, I appreciate it. Hang on one second. Hang on. Whoa, a little. Little Ric Flair woo. Wait, wait, wait a second, Willie. Why don't we give it to you again? All right, there you go. A little Ric Flair wooage for you. Okay, man. So I, you know, I just thought I wanted your your intel in, in reference. What do you think? Nobody has mentioned uh, a coach that uh, this defensive coach that had a shot already at being a coach once with Miami, and then went on to uh, Pittsburgh to do. I think. Uh, uh, oh, Brian Flores, you're talking about. Of course. Yeah. What happened with with, uh, with Minnesota's defense? Yeah. I think that's why they're winning so much right now. I All mean, right. So let me get let me give you, let me give you something on that just just to kind of wet your whistle a little bit, right? I mean, for everybody that now again, just because you blitz a lot does not mean you're going to be successful. Does not mean you're going to get home. Does not mean you're going to be a great defense. What have you? I mean, but like Wink Martindale with the Giants, Long of the Ravens, a very aggressive style. Uh, if you look at uh, Brian Flores, right? The Minnesota Vikings this year, according to Pro Football Reference, 47.5% of the time they have blitzed per dropback. So almost half of their their pass attempt dropbacks against, they've blitzed. Now, a lot of that could be five, you know, five, whatever. Their hurry percentage is not as good as you would like, ultimately, for the amount of times that they've blitzed. But I think that's more personnel-related. Remember, they they don't have studs outside of Daniil Hunter. Uh, they just don't have a lot to work with, right. quite honestly. That, so, 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 let, let yeah. Him, let him, you know, a GM come in, you know, right. and adjust what we need for him to run that kind of defense. You know what I mean? Yes. And, and then we might, we might have a successful, you know, defense. 
along with, I don't know, maybe him and Eric would probably do a, a great combo, I, I would think. I don't know. Well, listen, I, I think here's, here's what I would say. If you are not interviewing Brian Flores for, for your head coaching position, you're doing it all wrong. Okay, I agree. you're I doing agree. it all wrong. So I, I fully expect not. he should be like you know a a a, a name that you will hear. Um, that and, and but I would also say, you know, uh, look, uh, how do I dance around this? Owners and maybe old school owners, maybe not a maybe a a, a more progressive one like Josh Harris seems to be a more open minded one. Old school right. owners are going to be hesitant. To hire Flores because of the NFL lawsuits and the way things broke down with the I, Miami Dolphins. I understand, but I, I think that Harris and, and, and Corporation, these, these owners, I think, are very, like you said, open-minded, more mm -hmm. moderate. And I think they, I agree. they're okay with a coach that everything's going to be bluntly open and done correctly. You know what I mean? Now, I agree. I agree. I agree. Be a different story, I would think, you know, but here, you know, I think he wouldn't have any problems yeah. with this coach. But Listen, Willie, I would say this in closing. There's some shows that are going to tell you there's one candidate and one candidate alone that should be hired here, Ben Johnson, the offensive coordinator of the Detroit Lions. That is not how I roll. And I am not closed yeah. off to hiring a defensive-minded head coach or yeah. to giving – Brian Flores, you know, uh, Dan Quinn, definitely yep. Dan Quinn. Absolutely. Uh you know, and uh, um, what's uh, oh my God, this guy's uh, um, that, I, I don't know about Bill Belichick. Yes, uh, I don't know that. I mean, I, I definitely don't don't agree on that one. But if you know, if that's what they agree on and and they go with it, you know, what I mean, this right. it is what it is. Well, that, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, there's again different philosophies and different f uh, strokes for different folks. Uh, clearly, I appreciate the phone call, Willie. Good to have you aboard. A uh, good call. Um, there's different things for everybody. But you can't, like, if they hired Bill Belichick, you can't say that hiring Bill Belichick is, in my opinion, you can't say it's a bad move. You can think it's not going to work. That's different than saying it's a bad move, a bad decision to hire Belichick one of the all-time winningest and widely regarded as the best head coach of the modern-day era. Now, listen, we could all sit here and say Belichick largely won because of Tom Brady, and that's all fair. And I wouldn't do it. That's me. That's me. Age, defense, uh, you know, bad personnel management, you got to give them all control. I wouldn't do it. But you can't say it's a bad move. Just like if you go out and hire a defensive-minded head coach and somehow, some way it works out that you retain the enemy. Say you went out and hired a Brian Flores or a Dan Quinn, and especially Quinn. Think about it. You'd be hurting your division rival. You'd be hurting your division rival. Uh, let's get to uh, Lap here. What up, Lap? How are you? Hey, what's up, Rooster? What's up, hey, Rooster? Did you did you see the uh, the interview? Did you watch Club Shay Shay Shannon Sharp? Uh, I've show? seen clips of it on Twitter. I did not see. Uh, I, I don't. I don't watch the whole thing, oh, okay. or or okay. I didn't well, see anything he, he recently. Had, he had your boy. 
He had your boy Ric Flair on there. So oh, did he? Mount okay. Rushmore of wrestlers. Yeah, his Mount Rushmore of wrestlers was uh, Undertaker, Stone Cold Steve Austin, Hulk Hogan, and Shawn Michaels. Did you agree with that? Mm. Ooh, that's tough. He didn't have a rock on there. I was surprised. Yeah. I, I mean, I think list. rock I mean, because he's more, more viewed as an entertainer as opposed to, you know, this great wrestler. Uh, boy. Uh, I'd have to. I mean, how about Flair himself? Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Right? I, I mean, how do you? How do you? Like, ha, you know, how do you put a Mount Rushmore without Ric Flair? You know, yeah, I mean, I, I would just, yeah. I would just say this. I, I would find it impossible that everyone would agree on a Mount Rushmore of professional wrestling. Just like, I mean, it would just be like, you know, j- well, give me a Mount Rushmore of the NFL. Well, everybody would have probably, you know, Jim Brown on it. But would you not have Barry Sanders on it? Would you not have, um, you know, Eric Dickerson on it? Would you not have OJ? You know, whatever. I mean, I mean, there's so many different arguments you could make, you know. But that's yeah, interesting. I'll go and try and check tough. that out. Yeah, check it out. It's a, uh, it's a good. Uh, I think he did like an hour, man. Okay. And it was a good interview talking about his son and stuff. Pretty good, man. I think you'll like it. Okay. Um, but as Appreciate far as that. this this Ron Rivera uh, coaching the D, man, I, I just think it's a little bit too late. Um, I really wanted to make the playoffs. You know, I told you last year I wanted Sam to start those last four games because we were still in the playoff push. We were still in the playoff push, you know, three to five games ago. And now, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we we still mathematically, but everybody knows it's over. I mean, mm-hmm. I figured we were done probably after that Seattle game. Um, but it's, it's really, you know, change is coming, and we just have to – Wait for it indoors. Nothing new for us. There's nothing new of us going through rebuilding stage, whether they want to, uh, you know, agree with it or not, or coaching change. We've been through all of that. So it's nothing new. I think the only thing we can probably smile is that Daniel Snyder is gone and, you know, his change is going. I just don't want Eric being to be the lead because I think Sam Howe, even if you don't know if he's the future, you don't want him to have that many offensive coordinators like Jason. Well, that, that, is, so, that is a concern uh, of mine yeah. if you let Biennemi out the door yeah. or if you don't hire Biennemi yeah. uh, as a head coach. No doubt about it. Lappy, I appreciate it, man. Thank you, as always. Sorry to uh, the others that we couldn't get to today. Try back tomorrow. Appreciate you, as always. Just not enough time to do everything that we want to do. Coming up, dum dum of the day. Are we going to go with the one uh, that I sent you over the weekend, or, or no? Uh, is that what we're doing? The uh... let's go with the brothel one. Okay. All right. Let's so so let's not do the one. Okay. Let's not I do got the you. one that caused trouble all weekend that we're still getting Twitter notifications yeah. over. All right. Good good call. Good call. Uh, all right. We'll do that next. We'll brothel it up. <laughs> <laughs> or something like that, uh, on a fo- football Monday on the Team 980, which is driven by your local Honda dealer experience, power, performance, and ruggedness with Honda. See your local Honda dealer right now, right here. Uh, this is fitting. As we wrap up the show right here, let's get to it and not waste a second. How we like to try and get a little bit of laugh and a little bit of levity at the end of the radio showground. It's time for Dumb Dumb of the Day. Ah, uh, headline from Dateline, Australia. As seen in the New York Post via News.com. 
wife threatens to protest a brothel where her husband spent $4,000. Saucy in a good way. Uh Uh-huh. On a seven-hour sex bender. To which the brothel said, hey, lady, take it up with your horny husband, not us. So, yes, a wife in the Gold Coast of Australia protested outside of a brothel that her hubby spent $4,000 U.S. in a seven-hour sex romp that included intercourse with two sex workers and paid for alleged service upgrades, including fetishes and fantasies. There's a separate link to that. I I don't really care. The manager of the brothel, a Suzanne Pfeiffer, told the Gold Coast Bulletin that the man paid for the first hour with cash because he did not want his wife to know. When he wanted to continue what the New York Post writes as an X-rated bonk bonanza, (laughs) he tried to do well. All over me then. (laughs) I knew that was coming, and I still butchered it. He used a he tried to use a bank transfer, but ended up having to eventually use a credit card because the bank transfer was pending and not going through. Anyway, they allowed the romp to continue, and as the story goes, after seven hours, the two female sex workers said they were too tired to continue, and the man left after, again, seven hours leading to his wife turning up at the brothel with, you guessed it, her husband at her side, saying he had been drunk and on drugs and had no recollection of the incident. She was protesting outside the venue. The management said, we've told her she's welcome to peacefully protest on public property, but if we have any concerns for safety, we would have to call the police and that they were worried about male clients not appreciating this and that verbal altercations could quickly escalate. <sighs> so, we have hubby, horny hubby, that was apparently too drunk and too drugged, but not apparently so that he could pay $7,000 to say, yeah, Russ, yeah. Let's run. Uh-huh. That's what Russ is saying to everybody in Denver on that five-game winning streak, but this is a different kind of ride. Woo! Lord have mercy. Brothels in Australia. Watch out, baby. Congratulations. You're Chris's dum-dum of the day. Ah, and that's going to do it for us. Craig Hoffman up next. Thanks to Jay Gruden. If you missed that, it was great. Hit the Odyssey Rewind. Matt will have it podcast for you at theteam980.com or on the Odyssey app. Back tomorrow at 1 with the DOC. Adios.